For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson Gates. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera in the DC studio, joined by Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Well, I'm a fan of the best team in the NFL who has the MVP at quarterback, so uh, everything is going splendidly, my friend. This week, Jace Evans, our uh, West Coast correspondent, is out uh, due to some travel issues, uh, some other things he had to do that are more important than the show. He's I guess. hungover. He went to the game last night. He's definitely still just hungover. That's okay. That's all right. It happens to the best of us. I understand. We'll definitely let him back on the show next week. That won't be an issue at all. But instead, joining us for the first third or, or so of, of this episode is uh, a local Baltimore correspondent, friend of the program. Uh, this is Mike Brown. Mike, how's it going over there in Baltimore? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. It's going well, man, especially after uh, last night's big win. Ravens winning in Los Angeles 45-6. to That's right, 45-6. to Your classic high school score of one team that is way overmatched by another team. The Ravens down 9-2, and still trying to, to climb into that number one seed in the AFC. We will get into it. Tim, we do good, bad, and ugly uh, once again, way more good than anything else. I was going to say, you talk about the score. It's like Calvert Hall versus Loyola in the Turkey Bowl. Um, but yeah, this team ap- is breaking my brain almost. After watching, you know, this team, we were born in 91, 92-ish, all of us. The team came in 96. We haven't had a good offense since. We've been dealing with the likes of Tony Banks and Elvis Gerback. 
and the latter years of Joe Flacco. I won't put the formative years of Joe Stony Flacco. Stony Case, a name I love to bring up, even though I only played like two or three games. Stony Case, case. yeah. It, it, Kyle Bowler, just a myriad of crap at the quarterback position. And now we have a guy who, and we'll get into it in more detail, who is the clear leader of this team and has not only electrified the Baltimore fan base, but the entire NFL fan base, who he is must-watch television. And again, going out there and showing on Monday night that he is the real deal. There are no more haters. Booger McFarland, who when we get into the bad, we'll talk about Booger, had to apologize over and over and over again for his horrendous take that he should be moved to wide receiver. Um, and, and just a dominating performance. It's, be, seeing as you're the guest of the program, Mike, I want to throw it to you first. What was your your main positive takeaway from last night? Uh, aside from uh, my shared feelings about Booger McFarland, uh, <laughs> I think it was Lamar's, uh, it was his time to shine. I think it was his time to, to prove everybody wrong, uh, to prove that he's got it in all phases of the game. And uh, just another opportunity for our team to just continue to make statements. As John Harbaugh said, just stack statements. And that's, that's what it's all about. And it was great to see that last night. 15 for 20, 169 yards, five touchdown passes. Five. Five touchdown passes. Also rushing for uh, eight, eight carries for 95 yards. Second leading rusher behind Mark Ingram. Another guy we're definitely going to get to. Should have uh, had later. a rushing touchdown. Should have had the rushing touchdowns. I saw a tweet that said the only thing that was stopping Lamar was the evening dew in Los Angeles because he slipped at the one-yard line, and that was pretty much it. Um, And one of the things, too, if we're just going to dive right into Lamar first, because I feel like that's how you always have to start this show. And and look, we've got the MVP at quarterback. It starts at the quarterback position. It starts at the quarterback position. That doesn't happen a lot. One of the things, and we can get into more of the stats and Greg Roman and all these things we're going to flesh out here, um, because guess what? Like most episodes, the recap is going to take up a large portion because it was such an impressive display. Watching this guy after the play's over, offensive linemen are down on the ground, you know, after blocking blocking guys and, and double teaming Aaron Donald and limiting, limiting him to one tackle in the entire game. Another thing we'll get to. The first guy over there letting up all his teammates, encouraging his guys, getting his guys to huddle back up, running a two minute offense at the end of a half, which I've never seen before as a Baltimore Ravens fan. Mm -mm. That's the type of stuff that impresses me even more than the prolific stats and the highlights and the he is Houdini from Kevin Harlan that we talked about a few weeks ago. The guy at 22 years old, I believe, is the clear leader of not only this team, but this franchise in general. Yeah, he's he's putting it all together. To that point of him picking players up, on Monday night, he was picking up Rams, too. He's picking up everybody in the pile, which I you know I like it. And then at a certain point, I'm sort of thinking, shouldn't he go get the next play call? Like to, You only have 40 seconds to work with here, Lamar, so let's get the play call in. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the, his energy is infectious. The team feeds off of his adrenaline, off of that he wants to be perfect. Every time he doesn't score... He sort of gets upset if he missed an open, like a crease or something on one of the on the fourth down run where the Ravens went for it again in the first half. He got like seven yards on a fourth and three and was upset that he hadn't turned it into a bigger play. So he's really just putting everything else together. I want to talk about his 15 for 20 that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to run through those five incompletions. This shouldn't be happening in the NFL against a good team. Five incompletions. One of them uh, was a throw to Andrews that he basically caught and fumbled, but the NFL has decided those aren't fumbles anymore. So that was a drop, basically, by Andrews. Another one was a slant to Hollywood Brown in the red zone. 
that was also a drop. He then had two throwaways, you know, on, on plays where the play was dead. He was out of the pocket and was just, you know, playing it safe. And then one legitimate incompletion. And that was the whole game. And oh, by the way, six possessions and six touchdowns. I mean, it's it's I've never seen it before anywhere and it's happening on these baltimore ravens yeah i saw a tweet that they're america's team which people used to just despise us for no apparent reason um real quickly too and mike i got a question for you about lamar and and talking about uh mike is a season ticket holder his second year now he has seen the transition at m&t bank stadium so we have to get to that but this is from warren sharp and jace isn't here today so i'm trying to bring the stats that's usually jace's job so i'm gonna do my best to fill those massive shoes of his lamar in the last four weeks in the or not excuse me last four weeks but recently has played four of the top defensive minds in football bill belichick pete carroll wade phillips and romeo crennel who is a very respected defensive coordinator obviously didn't have quite the success at the head coaching level but still one of those guys who hopefully like greg roman is just really happy being a coordinator and doesn't want to go anywhere else another thing we'll get to in those four games 13 touchdowns zero interceptions Eight yards per attempt, 7.3 yards per carry, four wins, zero losses, and the Ravens are outscoring those opponents 153 to 49. 153 to 49. He's absolutely electric. Um, it, it's hard to, to come up with more words. I'm going to need to get a th- thesaurus out the next time we do this as I stuttered through that one. But, Mike, I want to ask you, and like I mentioned, the season tickets. You saw the end, and we all saw it, but you were there live in the stadium. You, you really get the atmosphere. You get the vitriol and maybe the malaise even a, a little bit as well. Can you kind of take us through wh- how it was at the very end of the Joe Flacco era and how it's transitioned from people unsure about Lamar, people starting to get excited. Oh, look, he can run the ball. Oh, but he can't throw. And now into what we've seen, which is just on another absolutely completely different level. Yeah, I think exactly uh, hit it on the head. He his transition has just been really amazing. Um, at the end of last season, like he knew he going into that role as the backup quarterback, he knew he had a lot to prove. Uh, he knew that that fan base was kind of split. You know, I think we all know a lot of people in our lives that uh, weren't Lamar fans or, or were doubters. It could fall right into that category. Uh, and then there was other other people in that group that uh, were, were big fans of Lamar. And uh, he knew he had to convince everybody, and he's done just that. I think the mood is completely shifted. Um, we've talked about pre-show. Uh, just that mood walking into the stadium, it, it, it's gone from an anxious feeling where you didn't really know how the outcome was going to be, you didn't know how you're going to feel walking out of that stadium, to now it's just it's just an excitement. You, you want to get in there and you want to see those boys play. And uh, it's just fun to, fun to watch. It's a fun time to be a Ravens fan. I think a lot of this has to do with also sort of pulling the plug on a guy that got you there. I mean, you know, Flacco was bad for the last several years, but it's very difficult, especially when you are a Ravens fan and I've seen so little offense. You had a guy who took you to a Super Bowl, carried you really in the playoff stretch. It's hard for a a local fan. Baltimore is such a small fan base, not in terms of the numbers, but in terms of the feeling. Uh, very collegial as as a fan base, and so it's tough for that type of group to say like, okay, we got to get, we got to move on from this. The greatest quarterback in Ravens history right. by by a mile, yeah. frankly, statistically, and and with the Super Bowl MVP. And when the guy that you're turning to last year, we can admit, was very very raw, uh, was not a good passer. 
admitted wasn't that he was not a good passer at times looked a little lost in those first few games as a rookie especially when he was forced to throw when they were down everybody talks about that playoff game against the Chargers so it was tough to transition from it but really Lamar's made it a lot easier I would say based on the growth from from last year to this year and and it's you talk about moving on it's not only moving on it's completely investing and believing in a guy Um, they mentioned this in the commentary last night and it's something that smarter football minds than us, Warren hey. Sharp. Yeah, sorry, Warren Sharp. You were very, you're very bright, my friend. Warren Sharp's a guy that I constantly reference. It's a guy you have to follow on Twitter and listen to anytime he's on a podcast or anything like that, because the guy just is able to break things down um, in an analytical way, but also a way that's not way too over your head. And th- the simple fact of the matter is, they came into this off season knowing that they had. A special guy, but a guy that they needed to build around. This is not a plug-and-play system. This is a blow-up-the-blueprint. We're redoing the whole thing. They talked about it last night. Greg Roman promoted um, to offensive coordinator, rewrote the language of the playbook, completely rewrote it, brought in guys, um, got him a great wide receiver, brought in a guy, Mark Ingram, who I am going to wax poetic about later in this program because he is already turning into one of my favorite Ravens of the modern of this quote unquote modern era of Ravens football. Um, and this is what you get from this. Some stats here from NFL research. The Ravens are the first team with multiple wins by 39 plus points in a single season since you guessed it. The 2007 New England Patriots who went 16 and 0 from Elias Sports. The Ravens are also the first team in NFL history to win back to back games against teams with winning records each by 34 points or more. From Luke Jones of WNST, another great follow uh, for Baltimore sports fans. The Ravens haven't lost a game in two months. They haven't even trailed a game in over a month. Last time was the second quarter against Seattle on October 20th. 18 quarters they haven't even trailed. The Ravens have outscored opponents 99-24 to in the first quarter so far this season. And in the last three games, they've punted twice. And both of those were drives where RG3 was in on mop-up duty. This is what happens when you invest in your talent and you believe in a guy. And and you, the results have been way better than we predicted. Also, let me point this out. This was supposed to be the tough run. This was supposed to be the, oh, the Ravens haven't beaten anybody run. Let's see New England. Let's see Houston. Let's see the Rams. We've wiped the floor with all of them. This isn't even just scraping by. The only team that we had to scrape by so far was the Steelers. We had a crazy loss against the Browns, a, a, a loss that we might, it was probably a little, uh, or wasn't as close, excuse me, that the scoreline said, against the Chiefs. We haven't seen this as NFL fans, what they are doing right now. And like you said, Antonio, it's a pleasure that it's happening in, in the purple and black. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a different team from the, that Chiefs and Browns loss, and even that Steelers game that was a close game. I'm I'm dying to watch... Uh, these rematches against the AFC North teams to that sort of to track the the growth against teams that you play a lot uh, when they play the Browns and the Steelers. You talked about the lack of the punt punting. I think my favorite uh, punt was last night when they had Cook on <laughs> on the field to punt, and then there was twelve men on the field for the Rams. So then they were going to kick a field goal. And then Harbaugh was also like, you know what? No, that's not even enough. Pull everybody off. He had to call timeout and was yelling at his special teams coach because he was mad that they didn't get off the field fast enough. And then they went for it on fourth down and they converted again. Everything is working from this for this team. I mean, we, we can talk about it over and over, but the team has bought in. Nobody's 
really seen this kind of offense over the long term. And that was something I wanted to talk about that you brought up before. Those four defensive coordinators that you named, all legends of the game, but the other thing they had in common, they're all in the second half of their careers, if not the last third of their coaching careers. So I'm curious if, I mean, we can get your opinions. Mike, I'll ask you, I'll ask you too. Tim, do you think this is a thing where these are the type of defensive coordinators who have in, are entrenched in their ways, so to speak, or defensive minds entrenched in their ways and cannot adapt to this kind of offense, you know, on the fly and, and change their schemes? Because those are the coordinators that have gotten really, really killed by this offense. Yeah, I think it's Lamar has also proven that he's just a, such a force to, to be reckoned with. And he's got so many mo- uh, moves up his sleeve that it's really hard to prepare for him. I mean, there's film out there. You've got two seasons now. And uh, it, it's just seeing these last couple of wins now, you, you can prepare as, all you, as much as you want. He's going to continue to dominate and to find ways to win because that's just who he is. I think you're just trying to take credit away from Lamar Jackson. No, I'm kidding. The, the, only, the only reason I'll disagree with that slightly is because there's one guy on that list <laughs> – <laughs> no, continue. <laughs> who, who all they talk about is he takes away your best thing. He's so good at eliminating the one thing. He's apparently he's exposed the Rams because they haven't been the same since the Super Bowl, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. And that's Bill Belichick. And look, there's there's a rematch in the future, and it's coming in the playoffs, and we will see what happens. But something tells me that. I don't know if it's this year they figure it out. There's going to be people that do figure it out and figure out kind of a, I don't know, a stopgap, for lack of a better term, to slow this down. Because this pace, look, we can wax poetic all we want about how great it is. It's not sustainable. It's it's not going to be sustainable for the rest of you know Lamar's career, obviously. But I think this offense, more than others, is way more difficult to stop because of just because of how dynamic it is on so many different levels. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really good point. Lamar, at the end of the day, he's just so unique. He's so talented. He's putting everything together. The one fear uh, that you have is that you don't want him to get hurt. Yeah, I, it's it's bizarre. I have never watched Ravens games and been so attentive to when one player falls to the ground, I hesitate and make sure he gets up every single play. I think he knows that, too, because he's very quick to pop up. Like, hey, Ravens Nation, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. What I would appreciate him doing is taking fewer hits, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily all you know his responsibility or you know the offensive coordinators, but he took some shots in that game, especially in the first half, and even a few when the game was a blowout, and even Booger, the one positive thing I will say early is that he was very quick to notice that in the second half. Yeah. Why is Lamar Jackson still in this game, still taking hits when they were up by, I don't know, 25 or 30 points? So... You know, you're, I'm very nervous about him staying healthy. Let's minimize those runs when you're up by two or three scores. Uh, and then we'll just score 50 points for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? I will say I haven't worried about that as much because he seems to know. Excuse me. He seems to kind of know when to get out of bounds, when to slide, how to take a hit. Like the, the, the comparison is always RG3. I was working in DC Sports Radio during the RG3 mania. The dude didn't he couldn't slide. Like, he didn't know how to slide as a quarterback. He was taking shots. I remember Haloti Nada almost snapped him in half one game, um, and the leg was, like, bending around number 92 on the, on the backside there. So I, I'm 
not as concerned about it. It's always going to be a worry when you have a running quarterback like this, especially a generational talent who um, your entire season and next probably 10 to 15 years is banked on. So hopefully he stays healthy. But this was the first game, to your point, this was the first game and it was that shot Michael Brockers hit him coming across the middle um, and hit him high too. And that was the first time I was like, okay maybe get down a little bit and and it it comes to the point too he's a very very smart quarterback and we but we talk about a lot of the times with him too is that he's always pissed when he doesn't score like if he doesn't get that extra yard he's kind of upset and I like that in him don't get me wrong but as a running quarterback when he's when he's out of the pocket and going downfield I could see that being an issue what do you think Mike are you concerned about this as someone who's watched him so much oh oh absolutely (laughs) I mean (laughs) At the end of the game last night, like uh, I think I was just I had the shared feelings. Like I, I, I wanted him to 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 take a seat and let RG three uh, do his thing and, and end the game. I think uh, he had, didn't have anything left to prove, but that just showed his passion when he like tried to back out there. He wanted to finish that drive. I think uh, he just he, he wants to win. He wants to score, and he did. He went down and scored again and, and proved his point. Um, but I think also he. he he does know how to when to get out of bounds. He's, he's sliding better. He, he's avoiding those hits. Um, I do think that the Rams kind of had their pride hurt a little bit, so they were trying to take some hits last night. I think that Brockers hit was unnecessary. We will get into that. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, I think he also has the respect of the league. I don't think anyone's head hunting Lamar. I think Lamar's uh, he's uh, he's got that going for him. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see him get hit, just like you guys. Some other positives from this game. Is the Ravens receiving core good? We've talked about it a few different weeks, how Lamar and this offense is able to spread the ball around. Uh, In this game, Miles Boykin, two catches, had a really nice 39-yard catch down the sidelines in a blowout, but it was a nice play from a guy that any contribution is considered unbelievable. Andrews had two catches, uh, Willie Sneed had two catches and two touchdowns. He's like the fourth option on this team. Seth Roberts, he wasn't even playing in certain games at the beginning of the season. He had three catches, breaking some tackles, getting some first down conversions. It went from we have no idea what this receiving core is going to be able to do to Marquise Brown is getting better and better and better every game. He's becoming more and more complete. And all these other guys are stepping up and making plays. There's just a lot of depth. There's no superstar, but there is so much depth in this receiving core. Are they good? I mean, they're young and they're talented. I'm not going to go out and put them, stack them up against some of the best receiving cores in the league quite yet. Um, I do like a couple things. We talked about Lamar, especially early in the season. He was either going to Marquise Brown or when Marquise Brown was hurt, he was going to Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews wasn't there or dropping the ball like he did in Seattle constantly you didn't really know who else he was going to go to. Um, I think Willie Sneed has really come on as a reliable option. Kind of the guy we thought he was going to be your third and four going across the middle. That's the guy you go to. Nick Boyle, only one catch, but it was a really big catch. Nice catch on the sidelines uh, against the Rams on Monday night. Um, a guy that is supposed to just be your blocking tight end, but if he can, if you can stack three tight ends out there and look like you're running big, and then spread all those guys out, and and the the the, the coverages that the defense is going to play with not as many defensive backs on the field because we've made the the line so big, having a guy like that with hands is absolutely reliable. Um, I love Hollywood, but 
boy eat a cheeseburger in the offseason. He's way too small, man. And he gets thrown around yeah, it, when he gets to And it is kind of scary. Um, Boykin, I, I, when I finish my point, I'll let my man Mike wax poetic about Miles Boykin being a Notre Dame kid. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy who... He's a rookie. I'm not really expecting a ton, but like you said, any contribution this year is good from him. Um, and then Mark Ingram out of the backfield too. Another option that I didn't really think of him as a receiving guy. Maybe I should have in that New Orleans offense, but he's been he's been incredible for them so far. Not only running the ball, which we'll get to, but uh, but receiving. So you know what? I've turned around. Yeah, maybe they are pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. Uh my man Miles Boykin, fresh from Notre Dame, and RG three going out there throwing a bomb first play to try to prove himself. I, I was a big fan of that play, uh, but yeah, I, we only really ran four receivers as uh, wide receivers. We had D'Anthony Thomas running special teams, Chris Moore only playing special teams. So, it, with all those other options you mentioned, with the running backs and and the tight ends that we got playing for us. The wide receiving core, man, Lamar's got his options. He's got weapons, and uh, I would say they are good. He's got weapons, but there's room to improve, which is something, whether it's free agency, grabbing guys in the draft, and we'll get to the draft. I'm all the way back in on the draft. I used to not pay attention in sociology class and just read mock drafts. Now I don't have as much time as as an adult, but now I'm all the way back in, and guess what? The wide receiver class this year is loaded so they can keep adding um weapons if they need to that way there's other concerns obviously it's gonna be tough to find a stud get 32 though it's gonna be really that's, hard that's to, very true hey, right well if there's so many guys maybe it'll just push it all the way down to that last pick in the first round that we won't need to trade into we'll already just be sitting there um you know the drafts in vegas this year it is in Vegas this year. We might have to make a do, do a, just a live show, live show from Vegas, uh, and, and you know we'll do, we'll do it early in the night so then we can go and celebrate and watch the draft and have a good time there. So like eleven, yeah, yeah exactly, sure. Um, but it's it's nice to see. And again, we we talked about this uh, in the first episode, and and we've talked about it throughout the season. Investing in Lamar, they spent more draft picks. Are, they spent more picks on wide receivers in like the first four rounds of this draft or three rounds of this draft than they did for Flacco either throughout his entire career, like last five years or something crazy. So they're clearly trying to get this young core group. And and like you said, there are no absolute superstars. I tell you what, if Hollywood stays healthy, he's that guy. I mean, he is he is that good, in my opinion. But um, it, it, it's very exciting to have that. Lamar clearly not the finished product but he's already at this superstar level we don't quite have that from the receivers that you see but you can see it out of some of them um later on down the road which is nice with all of this we have yet to even touch on los ravens defense came out with two three and outs on the first two possessions the ravens scored two touchdowns at that point it was 14 nothing the game was I'm not going to say the game was over at 14 nothing, but it was just we have we had seen, uh, you know, the template again, and it was just laid out there and the Ravens were in control of another game in the first quarter. This defense, Mike, what did you uh, what were your favorite your best takeaways from from this performance? Um, How about my man, Marcus Peters? He came to play. He came. He was passionate. He was uh, he had something to prove getting traded away from the Rams. Um, he was chirping the whole entire game. You love to see that, whether he was on the field or off the field. Um, I had my eye on Marcus Peters the whole time. So that was obviously a favorite. Uh, it was great to see our boys getting after Jared Goff. Uh, Judon making an impact right from the line. Um, you got uh, Earl Thomas back there making plays. 
Um, and uh, the guys like LJ Ford and Josh Bynes stepping up and then showing that we don't need to go pay big money for, uh, for a linebacking court to, uh, to be good. This team is all bought in. It's a team defense. Um, it was just great to see them ball out again. I, and you know, I love whenever they have those turnovers when they uh, go take that picture in the end. And that's my favorite part of the game. Oh, absolutely. Marcus Peters had a point to prove uh, on Monday night. It, going at Jalen Ramsey afterwards, there's articles now saying that Jalen Ramsey is the fakest hard guy in football now because he's like, hold me back, hold me back. I don't want any of this. And Marcus, Marcus Peters wanted all of it. Another brilliant interception, a terrible throw. I mean, Jared Goff is worthless, but a nice, a nice pick one-handed pick there jimmy smith got in on the action also had a sack for jimmy smith our boy judon who is our favorite person to rag on here i thought played pretty well sack daddy jalen ferguson played very well as well five tackles constantly in the backfield for him sack daddy getting more and more snaps more and more snaps tyus bowser another guy those are the two young pass rushers that they're starting to invest in um as key cogs in this ravens defense and Guess what? We can talk about the players and how great they were, and they really were. Having this secondary back, and we've talked about it before, when you add Peters in, you get Jimmy Smith healthy. You know, we already lost Tavon Young before the season, but now the secondary unit is becoming something that is a strength again, that was supposed to be a strength and is a strength. Um, Chuck Clark, fall on the football, first of all, when it's fumbled. Just fall on the freaking football. Other than that, I thought he's played well. He's got the green dot, like we've talked about. He's calling the plays on that defense. Can't blame him for trying to scoop and score, though. I guess not, but man. He's his teammates getting in on the action. He just just wants wants six. That's fair. It seemed like another Raven may have stopped him from picking the ball up. I I watched a replay of that, and it looked like they both went for it at the same time, and that sort of stopped him from from scooping it, but... I thought I was, the de- I was saying the same thing. Fall on the ball. Yeah, just fall a, on the a ball. A rough man. few plays for uh, for Chuck Clark in that series because yeah. he had just gotten the ridiculous. Uh, was it unsportsmanlike? Because penalty? he swatted the ball, but he had didn't no see idea the ref. a referee was behind him. Yeah, that, that was bad. I mean, bad in that I don't think it should have been a penalty. Yeah, same. But a, a rough few plays. With that though, with all of that though, I got to give it up for my man Wink. Wink Martindale, pop out the gold chain again, man. Another brilliant performance. Did you see the blitzes they were throwing? There was one, there was a couple plays. They sent both corners. Mm-hmm. They just, they didn't care. They, they, they had like three or four wideouts, the Rams, and he sends Jimmy and Marcus Peters coming in and crashing in. And Jared Goff, to take a phrase from another great quarterback, Sam Darnold, was seeing ghosts all night long. The pressure is something that we've talked about that has been an issue for this team. The Rams offensive line is not very good, but it's something it's something that has to happen. You have to get pressure on the quarterback as we get into these these games and the playoffs when it's cold and it's not as easy to throw the ball. You got to be able to stop the run and then when they have to pass the ball, you got to make sure that quarterback doesn't have a lot of time back there. And even though they don't have that premier pass rusher, we talk about these guys that are coming on, it falls on Wink Martindale to make up these creative blitzes. And boy, oh boy, do I love having a Ravens defensive coordinator who just wants to send the dogs. I think they've blitzed on, it was something, it was, they lead the NFL in blitzing on passing plays and it's like at 54%. I mean, it's over half. It's it's crazy to me that he's doing this, but he knows he kind of has to because he doesn't have that premier T-sizzle type guy and it's working. Shouts out to Wink Martindale, man. And this defense, you know, ever since the Marcus Peters trade, although that's not the one thing as we've talked about over and over on this podcast, they've really showed up. And and it's something too that we can talk about when we talk about the Rams. It was been it was tweeted out by a number of people, and you could kind of see it. 
that Rams defense, they were exhausted. They couldn't get off the field. And and when they're not getting the support of that offense, and it's something that we've seen as Ravens fans for a very long time, you're going to kind of have your head down. Oh, we got to go back out there again. Guys, get one first down for us. Let us take a breather. This whole team has bought in to each other and they're able to sit on the sidelines while the Ravens drive down the field and they're able to come back fresh. They know, Hey, let's get that ball back for Lamar. Let's score again. We've got this. And it's, it's a team unit right now. That is what's making them so, so successful. That's a great point, Tim. If you look at the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half, the first few drives and the number of plays that were run in the first half, the Rams three and out the Ravens nine plays and a touchdown. The Rams, three and out. The Ravens, seven plays and a touchdown. So just off of that first half, you're now at 16 to six plays. In the second half, the Ravens got the ball first, which I love. Ten plays and a touchdown. The Rams, three and out. The next drive, the Ravens, 17 plays. The Rams, eight on the following drive and an interception. So at that point, it was... 27 plays to 11 and at that point in both of those halves you've set the tempo you've set sort of the fatigue for the Rams and they're chasing and they I mean they're dominated in every single facet of this game on the road for the Ravens yeah um one more thing is we kind of wrap up the good here uh and I want to go back to the offense because I kept teasing I would talk about him Mark Ingram is a bad man at running back taking out guys and I love Eric Weddle to death curb stomped him on on the way to like a 25 yard run and and the offensive line to it, it, I love a guy that falls forward that takes the attack to the defense don't be scared of the defense make the defense scared of you because by the time you get into the fourth quarter those guys don't want to hit you anymore it's the Derrick Henry effect that dude's a freight train back there for Tennessee and by the time you get to the fourth quarter no one wants to hit him Mark Ingram is the same way Gus Edwards is the same way Justice Hill was bringing it to guys last night. It, they they showed up. They said, we're the better team here. We're going to prove that we're stronger, faster, and meaner than you. And it, Mark Ingram, 15 carries, 111 yards. He, in my opinion, might have been the free agent signing of the summer in the entire NFL. Off the top of my head. Now, obviously, purple tinted glasses might fog that judgment, but... I don't see anybody else across the league that has been better than him. And with that as well, just to wrap it, we do have to say uh, being confirmed as we're recording, Matt Sakura out for the year uh, has to have Mm. knee surgery after that bad injury. Um, An offensive line that hand up, I did not think was going to be able to get it done this season. Sakura and Bozeman, especially at the left guard and center positions, uh, they've they've been great. They've been really, really good, Um, not only with run blocking, but protecting Lamar, especially when he's in the pocket, allowing him time to be a pocket passer that's a huge blow but we do have to shout out Patrick McCarry undrafted guard out of California who had never played center before goes in and guess what he's got to go up against Aaron Donald him and Bozeman and Yonda limit the interior lineman there limited Aaron Donald to one tackle and again, I got to go back to my boy Warren Sharp here, and I apologize for doing this over and over and over again. Aaron Donald is the number one graded defensive lineman against the run per pro football focus. The Ravens run heavy team, 48 rushing attempts total in the game. Aaron Donald finished with one tackle, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits against the top tier rush defense. The Ravens ran for a season high for us. Season high, 285 yards, the fifth highest total in team history. Incredible job by the running backs there, especially Mark Ingram. 
anybody who wears gold shoes, I'm going to be a fan of. But also that offensive line did did a hell of a job. I was, I was incredibly impressed because that was the thing that we worried about uh, on last week's preview episode. Now it's just we have to wait and see how it holds up moving forward. I'm sure other teams are going to look at this uh, potential weakness now and see if they can exploit it. But, you know, this may be my uh, lack of sort of knowledge of X's and O's in the NFL, but it seems to me that the center can sort of be helped a little bit more than like a left tackle can can, can be helped in terms of uh, protection. But we will have to see. So we're going to wrap things up about this Rams game. We could keep going on and on and on, but I'm intentionally going to make sure we don't talk about Booger because he was terrible and I don't want you guys to just talk about him for, for 10 minutes. But Mike, we're going to ask you uh, as we wrap up here with you, any last uh, last thoughts about this game, about this team? And then I want you to tell us just out with it where you think this uh, this season ends for the Baltimore Ravens this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think one one more player we haven't mentioned much tonight was Marlon Humphrey. He had another great game. I think that guy continues to to show that he's he's worth every penny. Uh, and shout out to Marlon Humphrey sh- for showing up at our alma mater, Calvert Hall, this morning. Yeah, uh, fresh from BWI off the plane to talk to the the FCA and the, uh, the brothers at Calvert Hall. So shout out them. Um, but yeah, for the rest of the season, uh, I think we still have to uh, to stay focused. I think it's easy to, to get caught up in the nine and two and get caught up in this hype. I think everybody is now all in on the Ravens, but uh, we just need to continue to, to prove everybody right at this point and, and to win out. And uh, we'll continue to have fun. We'll continue to show out on game day. Uh, Tim, I'll see you on Sunday uh, for this big game against the 49ers. We'll start there. Um, I think uh, as long as we do that, we stay focused. We stay, keep that team mentality. I know, uh, Lamar is going to lead us to, to glory and I can't wait to be there for every part of it. And I know you guys can't too. So thanks for having me today. Tim, uh, one final thought on Booger. Couldn't couldn't get a yeah. couldn't get through this segment without talking about Booger. I, I mean, we didn't. I know you didn't want to keep Mike on for it, so we didn't go back and forth and just do a tirade. I know I do tirades on announcers all the time. I will say one thing about Booger. I really respect that he might know he has nothing to say, so all of his points are about three and a half seconds long. That's great. Dan Fouts doesn't shut up, which I I can't stand. At least Booger knows he's just not making any any valid points or anything that you're you're learning from. So he just kind of, oh yeah, that was a great play, Joe. Okay, first and ten. Like it's I don't know. It was I I admittedly. So take you behind the curtain. We usually record this on Monday nights. I go home and I edit the podcast. And by the time I get home, uh, my girlfriend, she's watching television. So I'll just pop up the Monday night game on the iPad while I'm editing the episode. But because I'm listening to said episode while editing, I do not have the volume on. This is the first time I've had to listen to a full Booger McFarlane game. And boy, uh, everybody on Twitter, every single person who's complained about him, because not one person has a good comment about him. Everybody who's complained about him is completely right. I mean, whew. I don't know if I'll be watching a ton of Monday Night Football unless it's a premier matchup from here on out. The I mean, I I don't know why I feel the need to defend him because I agree that he's not great. The only things I will say is that he's new to this. His first year, he was crammed in with Jason Witten, who was worse than he was. Uh, and the other thing is they haven't gotten very good games a lot. A lot of the games have been blowouts or just bad teams. I don't know. Monday night, this past Monday night was pretty good. I this was a, a, I nice, it. a yeah. nice blowout. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it's it, it's harder for announcers to sort of stay engaged and, and stay sort of juiced up when these games become blowouts. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Joe Tessitore turns to him a lot and gives him space. And then he says three or four words and Joe just sort of go, all right, well, I'll yeah, back to the play it. by play. So I, I don't know. And, and real quickly, sorry, I know we don't have any uglies. I have one ugly for this game. I have never seen a window, a championship window for a team close as fast as the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know what happened. They now have all this money tied into Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, who has arthritis in his knee, not great for a running back, (laughs) unlike Lamar, and Jared Goff, who his cap hits in the next couple of years, 36 million, which is the highest in the league, 32.5, 30.5, 30, and 26 million. And they're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey, whose contract is up at the end of the year, and they just spent two first-round picks on. They don't have any more first-round picks until the 2022 draft. Uh, It it was fun watching this Rams team and McVay and this offensive genius and stuff. I enjoyed watching them as a neutral, and it's it's all just completely blown up in their face. it's, It's sad for the L.A. fans, but... I'm just flabbergasted because, like I said, I've never seen a window close like that. It's crazy how fast it happened. We did the over-unders at the beginning of the season, and Jason and I both loved the Rams over at, I think it was 10 and a half, because it was the same team with a great coach that had just gone to the Super Bowl, and we had no idea how they weren't going to put it together. And guess what? They didn't put it together this year, and things have just really fallen apart so quickly. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, moving forward, but it's going to be tough to watch. They technically still have a chance to uh, to get a playoff spot. They pretty much, I think, have to win out at this point or, or win, you know, four or five, but going to be very, very tough for that team. Yeah, I mean, real quickly, they sit, I mean, they're in that division with the 49ers, who we'll talk about later, and the Seahawks. 49ers 10-1, and one, Seahawks 9-2. and two. The Rams are 6-5. and five. That, would, that, that Monday night game against the Ravens was pretty must-win for them, and um, they for lack of a better term, because it's a family show, poop the bed. Let's move on now to the AFC North, where some things happened last week and some things are happening this week. Surprise, Browns and Steelers both win. They're just, you can't really shake them in the AFC North, as we have been saying for the past few weeks. This coming Sunday, they play each other, which I think is sort of the greatest scenario uh, Devlin Duck Hodges is now the entrenched starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I personally would have loved to watch Rudolph versus the Browns part two if, because it would have probably been a disaster in a lot of different ways. I'm going to ask you this question, and I've kind of thought about this a few different ways. The Steelers are six and five. The Browns are five and six. Who would you rather have win this game just in terms of being a Ravens fan? The Browns to cancel cancel each other out. They will both be six and six. um, And the Ravens, let's say even if the Ravens lose against the 49ers, they're nine and three. Both of them are three games out with four games left to play in terms of the division. The only thing I will say to that, the Browns beat the Ravens at home and they beat them pretty easily different team man different team the browns rest of the season after the steelers game let's pretend that they beat the steelers and they're now six and six Bengals at home cardinals on the road ravens on the road and then the Bengals in the last week of the season pretending that the ravens aren't on that schedule that's a potential win out for the browns they've won three games in a row 
They could finish the season 10-6, and six, and then they're in the playoffs. Now, do you want to play the Browns? I can't believe I'm saying this. Do you want to play the Browns in the playoffs after they beat the Ravens? I don't want to see them. I'd rather see Duck Hodges in a wild card spot than the Browns. See, mine is more... See, you're thinking analytically, which is why we love you on this show. I'm thinking with my heart, which has been broken way too many times by the Steelers. And you know what I don't like? Really, really good defense. You know who has one of those? The Pittsburgh Steelers. You know who doesn't? The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, they have an okay defense, but they're without their best player on the whole team. And that's a defense alignment in Miles Garrett after, you know, the helmet assault from a few weeks ago. Um, and what you're saying here, too, is if they win out, they're 10 and 6. If we're talking about playoffs, fine. The division, I'm not worried about at all because the Ravens are 9 and 2. They got to win one more game, and if, if it's against the Browns, then you figure division record. We got a better one than, than the Cleveland does. That's that's a second straight division title for the Baltimore Ravens. I, I neither of these teams really worry me that much. I'll tell you what, I'm scared is a is a bad term because I'm not really scared, but I'm more scared of Duck Hodges than I am Mason Rudolph. I've seen everything from Rudolph. The guy can't play. He can't play quarterback. He did okay against us back um, in, in early in the season, but then Duck came in and almost did even better than he did. Duck was better than he was against us, and from that point on. I thought they were going to start with him the rest of the year. And and the train wreck that would have been Mason Rudolph via the Browns 2.0 would have been incredible. Um, but I don't really, I, not, neither of those guys really bothers me. Even without Rudolph in this game, over under three and a half personal fouls in this oh, game. I think it becomes a disaster. I think it could be over. I think the first time somebody comes across the middle and they get cheap shotted, and it'll be a Browns player because they're undisciplined and not well coached. I think Tomlin will be, Tomlin at the start will try and be like, hey, let's let's just beat them. Let's just beat them in the score. You know, beat them in the trenches, whatever, show them that way. And then some Browns player is going to take somebody's head off in the middle of the field because Freddie Kitchens commands no respect, and then it'll become a bloodbath. Uh, I, yeah. Real quickly, though, I'm not going to talk about the other team that the Steelers played because I don't talk about them on this podcast until they win a game. But I watched a, a large portion of that game. Sorry to hear that. Wow. Uh, it, it's a different sport. And, and, and you know what? Maybe it sounds like I'm sitting on my high horse because the Ravens are so good. And you know what? I'm going to continue to sit on said high horse until you knock me off or kick me in the teeth. Because it was watch. it was like watching... East State Tech High School versus, I, I don't know, the School for the Blind. It made, it was awful. It was god awful. It was not even, it was nowhere near the level of what the Ravens are playing. Um, like I said, just a completely different sport. And for that reason, you know, that's part of the reason why the Steelers don't scare me either. It's, it's crazy to me that we came into this year and the AFC North was supposed to be very, very competitive. Now, the Roethlisberger injury changed a lot of things for Pittsburgh and, and you know, for good reason, he's still a top-level quarterback, in my opinion. And with that defense, it would have been they would have been really, really scary. Um, but the Browns have completely just brounced it up. the The Steelers have a ton of injury issues, especially at important positions, and the Ravens have, have taken advantage of that. And credit to them at sitting at nine and two and well on their way to defending that AFC North crown. The Steelers' remaining game, just to compare it to the Browns. After that Browns game, they travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals, home against the Bills, at the Jets, and then at the Ravens. 
I think sort of by accident, the Ravens are going to decide which one of those two teams stays alive because they play those two teams in week 16 and 17. I can't decide between whether I'd like them to be completely eliminated by those games or if those games are going to be where the Ravens can knock them out of the postseason in back-to-back weeks, but we will have to see how the season shakes out with those two. Well, let me ask you this real quick, uh, and this kind of bleeds into a little NFL chat, but you're you're talking about which one you'd rather see in the playoffs. So let's take the teams that are still in it here. Bills, uh, Raiders, I would say maybe the Chargers, but they have to win out. We'll take them out for now. The Raiders, the Bills, Steelers, Browns, and then any combination of Texans, Colts, Titans. There's a lot more teams in other divisions that scare me more than what Cleveland and Pittsburgh bring to the table. As as a Ravens fan. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's just where I'm I'm afraid of the familiarity. I'm afraid of having to play them three times in a season. That's very just, true. Yeah. But maybe I'm just overly concerned because the Ravens are the best team in the NFL and are scoring 50 points a game. We're not going to spend too much time on the AFC North because we got a lot to talk about. And this is a Ravens podcast. But one thing I, I do need to bring up, I'm not going to force Tim to talk about it because Tim's not talking about this team until they win a game. But something that is just bizarre, and we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 0 and whatever. I don't even have it. 11. 11. Thanks, thanks, Tim. You got it. They're 0 and 11. They were 0 and 8 and then decided, let's see if our rookie quarterback is our quarterback of the future. And so they brought in Ryan Finley, not Findley, but Finley. And he surprised. He didn't look great. Went 0 and 3. And now they're bringing Andy Dalton back in. And I I don't understand the point of that for about six different reasons. If you're going to give a rookie quarterback a shot, give him the rest of the season. Why not? You're still over. If you're trying to win games and so you're bringing in your starter now, why? <laughs> the, I, the only thing that could happen here is that Dalton gets injured, I guess, or is going to look just as bad as he did in the first half of the season. There's no reason for him to be coming back into the game at this point. He was embarrassed by being benched on his birthday, and now you're bringing him in to finish the last four or five games of the season because you want to win games? Yeah, I think, uh, and I'll, I will jump in here. I'll talk a little bit about the Bengals, uh, 15 seconds. I, you've mentioned this a couple times, and I can't remember the first time you mentioned it on this podcast. NFL teams are bad at tanking. They don't understand it. They don't get it. And I get it. It's more of like this 53 guys, brotherhood. We got to go out there and win for each other or whatever. But guess what? You're 0-11. Go bring in Joe Burrow. Guarantee yourself the number one spot in the draft and get a quarterback, whoever that may be. Or Chase Young, the 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 rusher from Ohio State, who is a phenomenal talent, and everybody's saying is going to be a generational pass rusher. Like, I don't understand it either. And for Andy Dalton, man, it's kind of, like you said, he was already embarrassed, and now it's like, oh, we're sorry. You can go back out there if you want. I'd kind of be like, I don't want to now. Come on, man. The only thing I can think of, and because this happens a lot in professional sports, is that ownership is meddling with sort of game-to-game operations, and they're just telling the coaching staff, listen, we're embarrassed at being defeated this season. We want to win a game. They actually have more than a one-game lead. They have a two-game lead on the uh, number one overall pick, and they play the, I think it's the Jets this week. They play the Jets, who are also bad. I could literally see this being ownership telling the team, this is a game we can win so we don't finish in history of being an 0-16 team. 
and we'll still get the number one pick. Doesn't it's bizarre? Doesn't make any sense. That's all I have to say about the Bengals. Tim, you want to close on that? Yeah, real quickly, just to go back to the tanking bit. Another thing that Jace Evans, who will be back next week, always says is the only way to tank in the NFL is to have horrible ownership, and that's what you see with the Cincinnati Bengals. Moving on to the NFL now. God, just what are you doing, Cincinnati? Moving on to the NFL, uh, a couple of notes that that we want to go over here. And Tim, the, the first point. Uh, addresses your question about teams that scare not scare me but teams that are making a move in the wild card race the Tennessee Titans who I have criticized soundly throughout the season making a little bit of a run here they beat the Chiefs let me back up they put in a quarterback at quarterback and that's Ryan Tannehill they then beat the Chiefs poor Marcus Mariota <laughs> blew out the Jaguars are now six and five and have a real shot at a wild card any thoughts on on them sneaking in here? I, I, not really, because it's hard. They're, they're one of the teams that I, I pay the least amount of attention to. A guy that I brought up earlier when when Mike was on, Derrick Henry is terrifying. Trying to stop that guy, especially late in the year when it's cold. When he's, I mean, the guy is built like a brick house. That that would be something that makes me nervous. Uh, am I worried about Ryan Tannehill? No. No, nothing about Ryan Tannehill worries me. Like you said, they upgraded from not quarterback to actual quarterback, and maybe that made him a little better. You look at the the roster for this team, and the guys he's throwing to, Corey Davis, who was a high-round draft pick that hasn't really worked out that well. Uh, Jarrell Casey has been pretty good uh, on the defensive line. Kenny Vaccaro back there at safety, uh, another pretty decent, decent player, but... There's not I, when I just look at the talent on the roster, nothing jumps out at me and says, "Holy crap!" I do not want to see them coming into the bank in the divisional round. Um, but that, I mean, to that point, there's not a ton of teams in the AFC that scare me. It's it's the NFC, which it has been for the past couple of years, is absolutely loaded compared to what the AFC has. So good on the Titans. Um, that's another that's a close division with with your beloved Houston Texans who are not really showing out very well recently. The Colts who can't can't figure out how to be consistent at all. Um, and then injuries uh, and then the luck retirement thing has plagued them as well. And, and the Titans have a real shot there, even though they sit third in that division um, because it's seven and four and then two teams at six and five. So to, it's in a long form way of answering your question, no, the Titans still have to play the Colts. They have to play the Texans twice. Wow the Saints and the Raiders. Prove it to us, Titans. Prove me wrong again and and see if you can end the season with a winning record. It's going to be tough for them. The Jets blew out the Raiders because the NFL is impossible to predict. West going east. That's it. I don't know. I I have no idea. Sam Darnold threw two touchdown passes. I thought he had more than that, but looking at the stats here, uh, two touchdowns and he ran for another score. That's what I was thinking of. 34 to three, um, a demolition of the Oakland Raiders. I'm, I'm still, I think the Raiders have some talent. I think Josh Jacobs is very good. Derek Carr is okay. Their defense seems to have some guys that can make some plays. I think, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little later in the program with our betting, uh, segment. I think this is kind of a one-off, um, Oakland and LA and the LA Chargers, excuse me, just seem like two of the West Coast teams that don't travel very well. I, I and, and Jace has mentioned this before. I think this is kind of a myth, um, the, the the West traveling East thing. But off the top of my head, I always feel like 
once a year when the Chargers are good, they have a wacky result because they had to travel like all the way to the East Coast. And maybe that was just the same thing with the Raiders. I don't take too much stock in this. Jamal Adams is great. Jamal Adams is is incredible. When when he was on the trade block, I would have given up two first round picks for that guy at safety. But outside of that, nothing really. It was surprising, sure. But this is why gambling is stupid and you shouldn't do it because it's impossible to predict. The Jets offer this game now favored in a game coming up this week, which we may or may not bring up later in the episode. You win a game and you're now a favorite, even though you're a terrible team overall. Tim, were you watching the NFL in Washington, D.C. on Sunday? See, I was not. I heard there might have been some issues. I, like I told you, I was up in Baltimore watching Steelers Bengals, so it wasn't, it wasn't much better. But I heard that you might have had some problems. Well, the Washington Redskins play in D.C., and they're really bad. They play in Landover. Excuse me, that's right. Uh, But when you live in D.C., or when you live really any city and the NFL has a team there, they tend to force you to watch their team. So I'm not a Redskins fan. I'm not really a D.C. fan, but I live there. So when I sat on my couch at 1 o'clock on Sunday, I was looking to watch a couple of good NFL games, and what did I get? I got the Redskins hosting the Detroit Lions on Fox, And the CBS game got blacked out so that we could all be forced to watch these two terrible teams. CBS instead decided to show uh, some infomercial on like a beauty product. So now I know that like I really can change my skin from looking 50 years old to looking 30 years old. So I didn't want to watch that. So instead, I just had to sit there and just watch Lions Redskins happen to me. The game ended 19 to 16. There were seven field goals. The only touchdown that Washington scored was on a fumbled kickoff return for touchdown, where he fumbled the catch, picked it up, and then ran it for a score. The two quarterbacks in that game, Driscoll and Haskins, combined for 33 completions and 363 passing yards with four interceptions. The only good thing that happened in this game was that the Redskins were able to kick a field goal in the last minute to prevent the game from going into overtime, Congratulations to them. I watched so many more plays of this than I wanted to, and I hate the NFL. Is the end of that? Is the end of that? There was some, there was some bad games. I mean, I talked about the uh, the Steelers game that I was watching with a, with a friend, um, Buddy Garrett, who made a crazy parlay bet, and it was basically the odds were like. 10,000 to one or something like that. And there was just like, oh, I'll throw a fiver on it and see what happens. Some of the teams he had, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but if I can run through this, he had, he had the Buccaneers that hit. He had the Giants didn't hit. He had the Bengals didn't hit. He had the Dolphins didn't hit. He had the Panthers didn't hit. And I believe that, oh, and then the Cowboys also did not hit. Uh, against the New England Patriots, so he lost that bet. Yeah, oh, yeah, very much so. That's what it was. It was one of those. If something wacky happens in this NFL Sunday, then I'll be great. If not, I'm, I'm five bucks less out of my wallet. You know, I'm, it's not not too too bad. Some other games I want to talk about real quickly: um, the Seahawks and the Eagles, and this notion. I, I watched a, some of this game. Um, I, I watched it back before we did the podcast today. An ugly, ugly game in Philadelphia. I want if there's any Eagles fans listening, stop with the we need to get rid of Carson Wentz bit because you don't understand how bad it can get. Nick Foles is not coming back. 
Guess what? Nick Foles without uh, uh, the coach Frank Reich, excuse me, the Frank Reich and Doug Peterson combo that was so successful for them led them to their first Super Bowl as head coach and offensive coordinator. Frank Reich, now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They're not coming back as a tandem either. And Nick Foles isn't nearly as good without that tandem. Carson Wentz has still figured it out. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. He's going through a tough time right now. It's clearly in his head. Maybe stop being Philly fans for once and give him a break and let him kind of get back into his flow of things. Do not let I just it's just a topic that I've seen on ESPN and stuff where Philly fans are like vocal about getting rid of Carson, who they spent a second overall pick on, who clearly has showed that he's talented enough. A few years ago was in the MVP conversation like take it slow down, just slow down. Maybe this isn't his best season. He will figure it out. I tell you what, if they wanted to get rid of him or put him on the trade block, I know about 25 other teams that would take him over what they have at quarterback. The Ravens would even maybe t- – he could probably run that offense as a backup quarterback. You had me nervous there for a second. You had me nervous. Yeah, the Eagles fan base, not really the most rational. Or I should say the Philadelphia fan base, not the most rational in, in all of sports, but – just from a guy from me who's seen little bits and pieces of the Eagles this year, he doesn't look as explosive as he did in that in that MVP uh, buzz season that he had. But the team is not as good. I think they lead the league in drops. They've had a lot of drops. I know that week in and week out. So, you know, surprise when you win a Super Bowl, you have a lot of things to do after that to keep the structure of the team intact. And, and a lot of things are, are sort of falling apart at, at the seams to to stay competitive. But yeah, don't get rid of a really good quarterback that you have. It's it's hard to find the Lamar Jacksons in the draft. So, uh, Tim, any final points uh, from the NFL? Well, you know, take people behind the curtain. I know there is one game that you would like to get to, and I have some, th- th- some thoughts, excuse me. So I'd rather you just get to it, my friend. So we don't have Jace here this week. So would you think that there's no what's bothering Jace? Wrong. We're, as we said at the beginning of this of this podcast, every so often, Tim and I are going to take on the uh, What's Bothering Jace mantle, and here's a good opportunity when Jace isn't uh, on the show. So I'm going to take it this week, and uh, I'm going to tell you what's bothering me. I hate the New England Patriots. I hate them. Welcome. I want the Ravens to beat them in all opportunities, and it's inevitable that they're going to match up in the playoffs again this year. I want that game to be at home. I don't want it to be in New England. So what do we need? We need the Patriots to lose at least one game, and maybe two, to give the Ravens a little bit of help so that they don't have to win out. If those two teams end the season with the same record, the Ravens will host them in a playoff game. That's all I want. I've spoken week in, week out about how these Patriots team are frauds. I maintain they're frauds. I maintain they're the worst 10-1 team in the history of the NFL. I'm not going to go that far. Their defense is good, fine. They played nobody for the first eight weeks of the season, then got blown out by the Ravens. Here was a game that I had circled as, maybe this is a game that they could lose. If the Cowboys, who need to win, show up at all, this is a game that they could win. Let me fast forward now to the second half of the Dallas Cowboys at New England Patriots game. It was rainy and gross, and one of those like tough games, I get it, Both teams were sloppy. The Dallas Cowboys, here were their possessions in the second half of a game where they were down 10 to 6, and at a certain point, 13 to 6, meaning you need a touchdown to tie the game. The Cowboys' possessions in the second half punt, 
punt, punt. They then had the ball with about three to four minutes left in the game, still down seven. They drove it all the way down to the New England 11-yard line and stalled out, and it was fourth and seven from the New England 11. You need a touchdown. You probably won't get the ball in the red zone again. You may not even get the ball again. But no. Dallas Cowboys and the Clapper decide to kick a field goal to make it from a touchdown game to a touchdown game. Still four points. The Patriots got the ball, pretty much ran down the clock to under a minute. The Cowboys then had to go the length of the field in under a minute. Surprise, they didn't. And the Patriots won. They're now 10-1. and one. The Ravens are running out of weeks to catch them and take that number one seed, even though they're beating teams by 50 points every week. I hate the Patriots. I don't want to play them in Foxborough. And that's what's bothering me. Be better, Cowboys. Be better. Well, be be- you can't be better when Jason Garrett's your head coach. The guy should have been canned three, four, maybe five years ago at this point. I mean, some of the decisions, when you're going up against Belichick as well, who has still got it, guess what? He's still a pretty good coach. It just does. We talked about this last week. I I liked New England in this game. Uh, I mean, trust me, I'm with you. I don't like New England overall. I liked them in this game because uh, Dallas doesn't show up against good teams. And the Patriots, although I'm starting to agree, they're kind of fraudy, a little fraudy at 10 and 1, um, are still a good team. The defense is legit. Stephon Gilmore is, is great. As a cornerback, another guy who it's annoying that he's good is Lawrence Guy and defensive tackle who never did, uh, I don't know, anything for the Ravens. And now all of a sudden is this transformative guy. They've still got at Texans versus the Chiefs and then at Bengals versus Bills versus Dolphins. So it's got to happen in these next two weeks, I think, if the Ravens want to catch them for the uh, for the number one seed, which I agree with you. I think it needs to be at the bank. But that offense is all it's Offense is off, for lack of a better term. Brady is doesn't have the same weapons he usually does. Edelman has looked bad. The running backs aren't that great. Brady doesn't want to take any more hits, so he's dump, he's get throwing the ball out of bounds a lot quicker than it seems like he used to do. Whether he's saving his body for the playoffs or whatever it is, there's something off about this Patriots team. And as we've seen, they're beatable. I, but again, I think they're way more beatable in Baltimore than they would be in New England when they can slip a 20 into the ref's pocket for some ridiculous pass interference call late in the game. Houston, you're up next week. You're hosting the Patriots. It's a primetime game. It's a Sunday night game. So get loud. Show, show up. up. Show up and help the Ravens like we didn't help you. So that's it for What's Bothering Jace. It was What's Bothering Antonio. Maybe we'll have Tim do a, a What's Bothering Jace in the next few weeks. Sure. Yeah. I Trust me. I, I get angry about the littlest things. So I think that would work. Next up that we have to check off is our random Ravens. See, segment. this isn't this isn't fair. It's, it's I, and I I took this into account. Okay. It's just two of us. It's just me talking to you. Tim will be the only one that has the opportunity to guess here. Maybe we should have kept Mike Brown on for this segment and given him a chance. But, Tim, I took that into consideration. I have a lot of clues. This is a guy, I think it's a guy you can get. I really do. And I don't mean to put pressure on you or anything like this, but it's not fair to just have it one-on-one here. But here is my random Raven for this week. He was a starter. And the clues are going to get more and more helpful okay good which we ask jace to do every week but he doesn't do necessarily he doesn't know how to do that love love you bud (laughs) this is a starter 
on the 2000-2001 Super Bowl team? Oh. We're, already, we're already down to 22, uh, 22 guys. You're in my wheelhouse now. This player is ninth all-time in tackles in Ravens history with 302, despite only being on the team for four seasons from 1997 to 2001, the season after the Super Bowl. He was one of two Ravens selected by the Houston Texans. Speaking of the Texans. Can I do it now? In the expansion draft in 2002. Oh, we got to give it for the listeners. I apologize, because I think I know who this is. He played three more seasons with the Texans, which, by the way, the expansion draft, when I looked into it, when I was researching the Random Raven, crazy that that was a thing that existed. Each team submitted five guys, basically, who were just up for grabs. And the Texans, if they picked one of those guys... You could remove one from the remaining four, and if they picked two of your guys, all the remaining ones were taken off the list. Very strange. And it had to be like certain requirements. I'm sure it had to be like a starter or something like that. I wonder. It couldn't. It couldn't. Be, trust me, because this guy, I don't think the Ravens would just willingly have given up. If I'm right, I could be wrong. You're right. I think a lot of it had to do with salary cap as well, oh, with maybe, how maybe. much the Texans had to take on. Maybe it was an opportunity for a team to get rid of some bad contracts. So, just because you're confident about your player, I'll give you bonus points if you can guess the other player that the Texans took, which shocked me. Had no idea that this had happened, because the Houston took two of the five guys. And I'll give you a clue, a very useful cog in the Super Bowl team. Leave it at that. But for this player, he played three more seasons with the Houston Texans and finished his career one year in Seattle. This player played alongside Ray Lewis and wore the same number as the Ravens' all-time sacks leader. So we're going to wait for the end of the show. Tim, confident in the one name, I challenge him to come up with the second. But I'm not going to hold you to it. I was shocked that this had happened because I had no memory of this player being taken. Can I ask one question about that guy? Was that guy also a starter? That's a tough... uh, that's a tough question. Your answer there, I think. You know who it is. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I don't know, know if is. I can say that, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. So we will answer, uh, we'll have Tim answer that random raven at the end of the show. But let's move on now to uh, the, pre- the preview of the next game, which the Ravens just week after week, one challenge after another, when the schedule came out, this was a game that maybe we had circled as an easy win and has become maybe their hardest game of the season. 49ers coming to the bank. 49ers 10 and 1. They look good on defense. They look competent on offense. Jimmy G from one play looks amazing, and then the next play he gets rushed and throws a terrible interception. But they've done a lot of things right. Uh, That defensive line is terrifying. What are your thoughts about this Ravens 49ers game? I think, and... It's it's easy to look back at the other games and how the Ravens have taken on those challenges and to sit here and say this, but I think this might be unequivocally their toughest test yet. Um, it's at one o'clock, which I love. It's a West Coast team traveling east, which I love. It's against Jimmy Garoppolo, which I love. I'm, I'm not convinced by him quite yet. What I am convinced by is one of the other best teams in the NFL, the 49ers, did kind of what the Ravens did and 
built a brand new system and loaded it with talent for that system. And that's Kyle Shanahan in this offense. Their running game is is really, really good. Their offensive line, unlike the Rams, there are some similarities to the Rams here, although obviously the 49ers are much better. And you can see that in sort of the upgrades. The offensive line is very, very good. They're very good at running the football and establishing that early and and coming with play action off of that. So stopping the run is going to be huge for this Ravens team um, on Sunday because if they can stop the run, maybe they don't set up the play action as much. But not that many people have been able to stop the run on the 49ers. I was a lot less worried about this game until they took it to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night, 37 to 8. It was it was a demolition of of all sorts, both primetime games, Sunday night and Monday night were, <laughs> were just blowouts. And uh, with two teams that are that are going to be matched up now, um, George Kittle is scary. I don't know who of the linebackers is going to cover him. I don't know if that's a double with a safety and a corner. I don't know how they're going to deal with him. They're going to have to be smart with filling the gaps. Kyle Shanahan comes from the school of Shanahan from his dad, where it's zone blocking schemes, one cutting up. If you remember Gary Kubiak's days with the Baltimore Ravens, very similar to that type of offense. Joe Flacco's best years came in that offense under Gary Kubiak, a guy you talk about Greg Roman. Kubiak for me was the first one of those guys where I was like, do not leave, do not leave, do not leave. He ended up leaving for a head coaching job and you could tell there was an instant effect on the offense. I think that's kind of the same thing with Roman. But anyway, um, the 49ers are very scary. They are for real. Uh, I think that there was some doubts about them early in the year based on how bad they were last season. All of those have been uh, washed away. And this is where the similarities with the Rams kind of you can see them, but then they're different. The Rams had this vaunted defensive line led by Aaron Donald, then guys like Michael Brockers, Dante Fowler Jr. Those other guys haven't stepped up with Aaron Donald. You know who stepped up? The defensive line for the 49ers. Eric Armstead, 10 sacks. Nick Bosa, 8 sacks. D. Ford, 6.5. DeForest Buckner, 5.5. They've spent high draft picks on a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys come with a ton of talent. You'll Nick, be shocked to know that the 49ers lead the NFL in sacks. Yeah, crazy, right? Nick Bosa is an absolute freak at defensive end. If I was a neutral watching this game, I would be loved to watching him on either Orlando Brown Jr. or Ronnie Stanley. Um it's scary. Uh, like we said before, we got a rookie center now with Matt Sakura being hurt. Uh, I, there's going to be a lot of responsibility on that guy, but more so on the edges. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is graded out, according to Pro Football Focus, as the best passing, le- best pass blocking left tackle this season. He's going to have a huge test on his hands. I think he's up to the challenge, but this game more so than a lot of the other games is the stereotypical cliche. They have to win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the football. They have to stop the run. They have to be able to establish the run, and whether it's doing it in crazy ways like the Ravens have done, whether it's being able to punch these guys right in the mouth and running it down their throat. It's got to happen some way or Lamar's going to be running for his life. And we know he's pretty good at that, but it's not something we want to be seeing for four quarters. I mean, you've, you've covered it all. This is, you know, who can run the ball better, who can run the ball more consistently, who can make fewer mistakes. It's going to sort of go back in time a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, NFL approach. The Ravens, shocking, lead the NFL in rushing yards, that 210 rushing yards a game. The 49ers are second as a team in the in the NFL at only 145, all of 65 yards less than the Ravens. So 
every week I've been concerned about the matchup that the Ravens have had, and then they've won that game so handily, and then this game comes up and I want to have the same exact thought, but they've beaten everybody by 30 points. They have a home game. If they can get pressure on Jimmy G and force him to beat them in the air, I think this can become a game where the Ravens take control. If we win the coin toss, we better get the ball first so that we can establish that 7 nothing lead in the first drive. A, a lot of these strengths play into the 49ers' strengths. I'm, I'm very nervous of that 49ers' defensive line uh, against the Ravens' offensive line with the Scurrub, as you, as you mentioned, out. The line is 6 for this game, which seems way too high for a 10-1 and team going to go play uh, an, a 9-2 you know, nine and, uh, nine and team. That's Ravens favored by 6, by the way, for those of you listening. Which tells me that Vegas is sort of looking at this as we don't know what the heck's going to happen because the Ravens have just beat everybody up by 20, 30 points. So I'm back in that same situation where I'm, I'm nervous of a game, even though the Ravens have proved me wrong. You know, they've, they've comforted me early in all of these games. I don't know. I don't know. I'm nervous, but, uh, it's going to be a home game. The crowd is going to be rocking. I'm counting on you, Tim, because you will be in attendance yes. to keep that noise going when there's that inevitable second quarter, third quarter lull. Oh, I will be very hoarse by the time we get back in here. Um, and that's not a pun on my last name. But it, it's it's weird. And again, I don't really have a ton else to say about this because I really think this boils down to that. Maybe you pull some tricks out. John Harbaugh is very aggressive, and I think he should keep that up because he's going to show confidence in his team on the fourth and ones. But those play calls have to be perfect. The execution has to be perfect against a defense this good. Do not allow Richard Sherman to change this game with a game-breaking turnover. I forgot, I forgot he was he was there. And guess what? He is still very, very good. This is still Seattle-level Richard Sherman. And, and don't let him get in your head. Don't make any stupid plays against him because he is he's three, under, three interceptions already this year, but he doesn't get thrown to that much because he's that good. They got some other secondary guys on the back end who, not not necessarily the names, but but very very talented. Um, the defense has helped carry this team a lot, especially when you have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, um, who is just basically going to manage the game. You know, it'll be huge getting in his head. If you can stop the run, then maybe you can force rushing the passer a little bit. If you've got Kittle covered, I don't really trust a ton of their other wide receivers. They have a very solid unit. It's not great. Kind of a little bit like the Ravens. The one guy that is getting better is their rookie, Debo Samuel. Mm, yes. He's a big physical receiver. That's got Marlon Humphrey written all over it. That, I think he locks on Debo Samuel for the game. Your question about George Kittle, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle that. It t- time for this linebacker core, this new linebacker core, to to show up and take care of Kittle. Yeah, Kittle's one of those guys where you're looking at the you're looking at this and you're going, okay, it's probably going to be hard to neutralize him, a la like a Travis Kelsey with Kansas City, but don't don't ha- make him have like a Pro Bowl level, All Pro level game. You know, limit him as best as possible and make the other guys kind of beat you as well. Uh, Marcus Peters, hey, guess what? Another turnover would be awesome. If you could do that again, like another one, maybe maybe two. Um, turnovers will be huge in this game. Holding on to the football will be huge in this game. We have the quarterback edge definitively. It, there's no question to that. And maybe this is just a Lamar on the shoulders type of game. Who knows? I know Greg Roman's going to come with a good game plan uh, against these guys. It is a little bit of a short week, but I don't think that's going to be too big, um, too big of an issue when we get to Sunday. And... Um, 
it's going to come down to the team that just executes the most. And I know this all sounds incredibly cliche, but that's just that's just the truth of the matter here. When you have two great teams and the, the premier matchup this weekend in the NFL, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes will most likely find the way to win. And um, for me, I think that's the Baltimore Ravens. This feeling of dread and nervousness that I've had my entire life that is still sitting back there, ready to creep up, can't get past the wall of Lamar Jackson and the wall of nine and two and the wall of the mantle of the the head of the Patriot and the head of the Texan and the head of all these other teams that they've just taken out, taken out back the head of the Ram. I think Ravens minus six. I'm going Ravens. I'm going Ravens minus six at the bank. They're one and zero when I'm there, and then I went up to Baltimore to watch in Baltimore for the Patriots game. So one and a half and zero, I guess. I have I have so much confidence in this team that it makes me nervous, which is a weird way to put it. But but for that reason, I'm going Ravens minus six. Tim, that was a, an inspirational speech there at a certain point with the head of the Ram. Head I think I got goosebumps Thanks. a little bit. I agree with you. I, for a lot of different reasons, I don't want to pick the Ravens at minus six. Absolutely. And then I just say, you know what? They've done it over and over and over again. Lamar Jackson just had a game where they scored six touchdowns and six straight possessions. They're unstoppable until somebody proves me wrong. I'm picking the Ravens as well, minus six. Do you want to give a, a score prediction? You think it's a low-scoring game or... Uh, Gets into the high 20s at See, 30s. Or do the Ravens score 45 points I was going to say, again? this is another thing where I want to say low scoring, but the Ravens are just, even against defenses that have been really, really good, they've they've found a way to just rack up the points. Uh, score prediction. I will go 27-20 feels right. Maybe like 31-21, something like that. 31-24. Uh, try to do the math in my head to make sure they cover the spread. 31-24 sounds right. I, I, like th- I think they score points. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Much like the Kittle thing, I think it's going to be a case of not neutralize it, but limit it as best as possible with the running game. But when all things, when a lot of these things are equal, and I'm I'm a big fan of this Ravens defense now, when a lot of these things are equal, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to the guy at the quarterback position. And they have Jimmy Garoppolo, and we have the MVP. Who's not terrible, but certainly has thrown a lot of interceptions, has looked sort of, you know, has gotten the the uh, sort of un- unsure feet when, when there's pressure around him. And he's not Lamar Jackson. If he has, if he has an off game, they, the Niners lose. Simple as that. What other uh, what other picks do you have do you have for us this week yeah. as we get into the gambling side? I've got a couple here just to wrap up. Um Seattle minus three at home to Minnesota on Monday Night Football. Another really, really good game. Um, but this whole like Kirk Cousins can't do it in primetime thing, he did it against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. But the Cowboys aren't the Seattle Seahawks, and it's not in Seattle, which is a, is a tough place to play, <laughs> even though the Ravens won there. Um, but Seattle minus three, I think that they can definitely beat Minnesota by more than three. I think Minnesota's good. I think Seattle is just better. And then real quickly... The Chargers, I know the last time they were out there, did not play well against the Chiefs, and they're sitting at 4-7. and seven. They haven't been great this year, but I still like the talent of the Chargers, and maybe this is just me looking back at past years, and, and, look, and my dumb brain goes, oh, wait, no, they're still pretty good. I think it's a game they have to have if they want any shot at the playoffs because they basically have to win out at this point. So they're minus 2.5 against Denver? 
who isn't very good. I know it's in Denver, but Brandon Allen's still playing, right? You know, he's not very good. So give me the Chargers minus two and a half away to the Denver Broncos. I like that pick. Chargers best four and seven team in the NFL. Yeah, there you go. So I'm doing a little three-team teaser. Three-team teaser alert, Tim. I'm adding a team in here to help the sort of the, the pay for what you, what you invest as opposed to a two-team teaser. Green Bay, after looking terrible, are only six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Giants. I'm moving that to even. I'm taking six-and-a-half points slide with all three of these teams. So that line gets moved to even. Green Bay, comfortable win against the Giants. Carolina is home to the Washington Redskins that I had to watch so many plays of. That line's right at 10 right now. Carolina, even though they lost last week, righted the ship and put up a fight against the Saints. Moving that line down to three and a half. Carolina at home against the Redskins, three and a half. The Chiefs are home against the Raiders. That line is also 10, so I'm moving that down to three and a half. Chiefs home, Carolina home, Green Bay even. Give it to me. Wrap it up. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know. We The thing is, maybe next season, because we are a little late in this, we have to actually keep track of these. I don't know if I want to necessarily know, but you're 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 the tease king over here. You love a good tease. So, you know, you don't you don't get that super win. As your friend Garrett uh, put a bet together, you don't get the like 10,000 to one odds. True. But you also uh, you get helped by, by those numbers. My argument with teases are just that. Vegas is so good at picking these lines. Why fight them? You want to slide away from that line as, as much as you can. We'll see. I'll come back next week and I'll have lost all three of these. But uh, maybe we can. Uh, maybe I'll go back into the archives and, and do some some statistical analysis on how we've done. And if the numbers are bad, I'll just pretend that I never did it. So that's all we got for this week, Tim. It was a pleasure doing the show. Uh, just the two of us. We'll have to get Jace back next week. Jace, we miss you, but. Uh, you know, I guess you're too busy doing other stuff. Yeah, next week, uh, obviously, you know, and and to you and yours out there listening, a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, that part of the reason I, we joke about Jace being being incapacitated after the Ravens game, which he was at, and we will hear about that uh, next week when we have him on. Uh, but it was, you know, he's he's just traveling back home. All his family is here, so we obviously let him have the night off to travel for for Thanksgiving. I think I think that's acceptable. Last thing left to do here is uh, answer the random raven. So let me uh, let me fly through these clues real quick. This player was a starter on the 2000-2001 Super Bowl team. Is ninth all-time in tackles in Ravens history with 302, despite only being on the team for four seasons. He was one of two Ravens selected by the Houston Texans in the expansion draft in 2002, where they were just allowed to take your players. He played three more seasons with the Texans and finished his career in Seattle. This player played alongside Ray Lewis and wore the same number as the Ravens' all-time sacks leader. Tim, first off, who's the Ravens' all-time sacks leader? That would be Terrell Suggs. So what number was he wearing? 55. So who is the random Raven? Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run through the entire starting defense for that the best defense of all time, starting with Rob Burnett. Then you have Sam Adams. Then you have Tony Saragusa, Michael McCrary, Peter Boulware, Ray Lewis, the random Raven, uh, Anthony Mitchell and Rod Woodson at safety, Dwayne Starks and Chris McAllister on the corners. Very nice. That would be Jamie Sharper, Very number nice. 55. Jamie Sharper is this week's random Raven. You want to take a stab at that bonus second player? I'm going to go Kyle Richardson, the punter. So you were close that it's special teams because ah. you asked me if he was a starter. And was it Jermaine Lewis? Jermaine Lewis. Wow. 
I had memories of him being on the team several more seasons after the Super Bowl. He was on the team the year after, obviously, but along with Jamie Sharper, was gone to the Houston Texans. Now that you know what, I that it might be hindsight bias, but I remember that now that he was just gone after the expansion draft. And you lose two guys like that, and that's how you have to sort of start the rebuild. And it took him. Uh, Took him a few more seasons to get to the promised land. But a long time. I'm not complaining about a 20-year-old franchise with two Super Bowls. About to be three. Tim, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? This one will be. This game it will be very, very fun. Um, nothing, nothing past that really. The, it's fun watching your team be very, very good, and now they're going to go up against another legitimately top, top talented side. So I'm very excited. I can't wait to be in the bank to watch it. Look forward look forward to watching it on Sunday. I'm sure the listeners do. Look forward to Tim being in attendance, rocking at the bank, and helping the Ravens win again. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.